Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. It would be uh, even better if you were here, but uh, it is still great for you to join us in your uh, front rooms, wherever that is. So whether you're listening this morning on Sunday the 17th, hope you've got my dates right there, or whether you are listening um, at home at some other point during your week, we just really want to welcome you into this space and time. Um, the blessing about doing this online is that we can reach so many different other people at different times, and it's so great to have the opportunity to do that with you. Well, as Gary mentioned last week, he started our series on the fruits of the Spirit, and I really, really enjoyed it. Gary did a brilliant job opening up the series. I particularly liked the way he helped define fruits of the Spirit being like God's character and gifts of the Spirit being like God's power. And then he talked about love, and I love that he linked that with character, and I really enjoyed the way he inserted his name and our names into 1 Corinthians 13. So if you have not seen that sermon, can I please encourage you to go and look at that? I've been blessed by that. I know that you will be too. But if we go back to our anchor verses for this series, we're going to see that after joy comes, uh, after love comes joy. In Galatians 5, and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so as we look into joy this morning, I want us to begin to think about that fruit of the Spirit regarding joy. That's where we're really going to live in this morning and hopefully understand a little more about that. If you would have been all here this morning, I would have probably started by asking you a question. And the question might have been, can you put your hand up if you had any chocolate during Christmas? Yep, there's a few hands up here. There's a few hands up here, right here, folks. And I'm certain at home there'll be a few hands up with you too. If I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, I might ask you, did you have a bar of dairy milk over Christmas? Oh, no hands up in here. But if I was in the audience listening to a question, I got both my hands would have went up. My family know that one of my favorite chocolate bars is dairy milk. One of our good friends, Lindsay, that's one of her favorite chocolate bars, and we share that together. And my family blessed me with a really big slab of dairy milk this Christmas. I wonder if you're familiar with dairy milk as much as I am. You'll probably notice a little thing, which is a QR code on the bar of dairy milk. If you're not sure what a QR code is, it's a little square that's made up of blocks. And when you put your mobile phone camera up to that square, the website pops up and you can get into that company's website. And it's not unusual that dairy milk has a little QR code on its website. Most little products nowadays will. What is unusual about dairy milk and its little QR code is that if you look at that QR code, there's a little symbol and a finger pointing to that code, and the phrase is, scan for joy. Scan for joy. And I've always been fascinated by that, that a company would market its product by claiming it to give you complete joy. And that a company would just simply say, scan this for joy. I wonder when you hear that, does that sound a bit silly? To me, it sounds a bit silly, and I get that. But I want to offer to you maybe some of the other ways we try to find joy are equally quite silly. Maybe some of the places we try to find joy in the other places are also quite silly too. 
And so this morning, I want to look at three things as we, as we look at joy this morning. The first thing that I'd really love you to think of this morning is, what is joy? Let's look at what that is to start with. Then I'd love to look at, how can we grow in joy? And then finally, I want to look at, what do we do with that joy? If we go back to our example of dairy milk, and you can already tell how much I do love dairy milk, think about that concept of scan for joy. We know that's not joy. We know that by going to the website won't necessarily fill us with joy. So what is joy? Well, you could say, well, dairy milk makes me happy. I enjoy eating a piece of dairy milk. There's, as far as I know, not much nutritional value in eating a little chunk of dairy milk, but I do like it. It makes me happy. And I think as we understand what joy is, it's really important to differentiate between joy and happiness. In Christianity Today, there was an article written about this. It said, joy and happiness are two different emotions that are somewhat similar, but are actually very different. I think we often confuse joy with happiness. Anyway, it goes on to say, joy is attributed to something very, con very consistent and internal, where happiness tends to be triggered externally. Do you get that? So joy is something within us. It's deep, but our happiness is a bit more external. If we dig a bit deeper, I found another website, which I don't believe is particularly faith-based, but it's, called, it's taken from a, a group called Psychologies. And it's really interesting what this group, that's not even, as far as I'm aware, has a faith, what they say about joy. Joy and happiness are wonderful feelings to experience, but are also very different. Joy is more consistent and is cultivated internally. You get that echo of the first. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and who you are whereas happiness tends to be triggered externally and is based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. And so they share that understanding that joy is something deeper, but it's all about reconciliation. It goes on to say, aiming for joy is more beneficial as it is less transitory than happiness and is not tied to external circumstances. There's so much about that article that actually I agree with. I'm interested in psychology. But let me ask you a question wherever you are today and whatever time you're listening to this. How can we hope to reconcile ourselves with ourselves and leave God out of the equation? We know that the Bible would tell us who we are, but the Bible also tells us who God is. And we were told that we were made not just by God, but in the image of God. Perhaps you're listening to that this morning and you don't quite buy it. This week, I read a really horrible story. I read a story of a pensioner who was sold a fake vaccine, a 92-year-old woman who was sold a fake vaccine. Imagine the fear that prompted that woman to pay a stranger to inject who knows what into her arm. Part of me internally shuddered with that, having what I've been through this past year. Last night, my wife and I watched a film, and one of the themes was about racial inequality. And whilst I watched that, there was so much within me screamed out, no. Why do we react like that? We react like that. There's no evolutionary benefit to reacting like that. We react like that because we're made in the image of God. Because God reacts like that. And there's an echo 
a divine celestial echo that happens when we feel that way. But what about when we sin? What about when we get it wrong? What about when we take on things that aren't necessarily us? How can we hope to reconcile ourselves then? I've spent 20 years working with people. Much of those years working with young people, I've seen young people do the most crazy self-destructive things because of what the world tells them they should be or who they should be. I've worked in communities wrecked with paramilitaries. People doing things because of identities forced on them. How can people hope to find out who they are, how they are, why they are, when that level of sin is involved? Surely the first inner conflict we need to resolve isn't just with ourselves, but with our Father. There are lots of ways you can try to resolve that conflict. I would suggest you should do that with your Father. We bought something in our house a while ago that went wrong, there were lots of opportunities we had to try and find out how to fix that product. We resisted those. Instead, we went to the manufacturer of that product because they knew that product, they made that product, and they probably loved that product. And they could tell us all about what needed to be done. Colossians 1.21 says, Once we were alienated from God, we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. Perhaps you get that sense when you do something wrong that sense of guilt and remorse. But you know, joy comes through hope. There's a beautiful picture I've seen of a chasm between people and God and a bridge, and the bridge is Jesus. His arms open wide in the shape of a cross and people moving across. Do you know that because Jesus, because God loved us so much, he didn't want that gap. He didn't want that separation he didn't want us to not know who he were, and he certainly wanted us to f experience joy, and so he sent Jesus. Do you know, I was telling my mom this week that I'll be speaking in journey. My mom loves Jesus. It says in Proverbs to honor our parents, I've got a lovely mom. It also says to honor the wisdom of our mothers and fathers. And my mother told me, you know, just tell people they need Jesus. We've just came from Christmas time. In Luke 2, I love the scene of the shepherds on the hill. Maybe you were in a, in a school play and you had that towel around your head and the tie around that. I love the scene of the shepherds. And when these ordinary people, these broken, dirty people, were sitting on a hillside, a whole raft of angels came to them. And they told them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Joy. And so you see, joy isn't just an emotion, and it's not just a feeling. Joy is actually a person. Joy is the person of Jesus living within us. Perhaps you're not sure of that. Maybe you've heard Christians called happy, clappy people. <laughs> what produces happy, clappy people? Inner joy. I had a picture this week that joy isn't just a happy feeling, but joy is like a well within us that sits within us. And happiness actually in our lives is the buckets that we draw up from that joy. Happiness are the buckets that result from the joy. In John 4, we meet Jesus sitting by another well. He meets a woman who he's discerned has been looking for joy in all the wrong places. She's had five husbands. 
She's ostracized, she's broken, and no one in society wants to talk to that woman. No one thinks she's worthy of joy. No one wants to spend time with her, but not Jesus. Jesus spends time with her. Jesus includes her. The woman asks and talks about the water, and Jesus says, you know, the water that you've been seeking, the water that you will seek will always make you thirsty. But when you receive me, a well will come within you, and it will well up living water, and it will never stop. Isn't that, even by the world's definition, we've just been exploring joy? And what does that woman say when she goes back to the village? Intriguing. Verse 29 in John 4. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. That woman learned more about herself that day than she ever had before. You see, we do have to reconcile ourselves to ourselves, but we reconcile ourselves through the lens of Jesus, through unconditional love. I don't care what you've done as you watch on today. I don't care how broken you feel and how ostracized you feel. I'm here to tell you that there is someone who loves you much greater than that. For every no in your heart this morning as you listen to this, Jesus Christ, yes, and he wants you to come and experience him and receive true joy. And it's not just in a chocolate bar. When Jesus came to the earth, he gave himself for us on the cross. He went through pain, as Gary's been reading. And now he sits with the right hand of the Father, folks. And he doesn't just sit there, he lives somewhere. He lives in me, and he lives in people who accept him. When we come Jesus. Today, maybe you've never done this before, and I want you to do this today. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to acknowledge perhaps all the things in your life that you've struggled with. I want you to think about Jesus sitting by a well with you, and I want you to accept him. I want you to put your trust in him, and I want you to invite him to come in. And my prayer is that you would experience pure joy. Joy is forgiveness. Joy is knowing that this world is transitory, but Jesus is not. Joy is the knowledge that he is forever mine, forever ours, that we will spend eternity with him and Jesus with us forever. That's pure joy, folks. I can promise you no matter what you find joy in, it will never fill that hole. There are lots of things I hope in my life that will make me happy. I would like to do things, to own things, to have things, but nothing will bring me joy like Jesus. The second point is, how do we grow this joy then? Let me tell you a bit of a fictional story. There was once a man, this is our second point, so how do we grow in this joy? There was once a man who wanted to be a fruit tree owner. He wanted to own a plum tree, right? This is a fictional story. And so one day he drove to a nursery and he bought a plum tree sapling. It had a wee label on it, plum tree, a wee grow bag around the roots. He brought it home and he put this wee tree at the bottom of his garden. He sat by this tree, and the neighbors used to walk by his wall, and he would point the tree out. And his neighbors would think, what a cute wee tree, isn't that great? And he was then a plum tree owner. Well, over months, he sat there, and he showed people this tree, and people walked past. And after a period of time, they watched the tree sitting in this bag, and they thought, "Uh, that tree doesn't really have any plums on it. That tree's not planted. And after a while, they began to think, well, maybe this man's missed the point. 
Because a plum tree, well, it's kind of supposed to have plums, right? That's a nice sapling, but it's missing something. I think that's like many of us that receive Jesus. We receive Jesus, we, we put a label on it, we even tell people about it, but does it really grow? Does it really develop? Why is joy called a spiritual fruit? Well, fruit grows. In John 15, we hear about the vine and the branches. Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Can you catch that relationship between the the vine and the branches? All the way through that passage, the call is to remain, to abide. If that same man who bought the plum tree walked up one morning and found 15 beautiful, full-sized, fully developed plums on that tree, he may be suspicious. And he'd be right to be suspicious because fruit takes time to develop. Gary told us last week about God's character growing within us. That process of marinating, growing, the natural process of that is time, investment, much like any of our relationships. That takes time and space. Tell me, if you've accepted Jesus this morning, are you making time and space for God? Are you learning about Him? Often when we learn about God, we make it very academic. We do that in the Western world. So if you're watching that, we're in Northern Ireland, and we are very much in the Western world here. And we make learning about God a very academic, cerebral experience. And you know, Hebrews in the Bible love to study God, but let me tell you what they didn't do. They didn't understand knowing God like that. The Hebrew word to know God is the Hebrew word yada. Yada is a really interesting word because yada means to know God not just through head knowledge but through heart knowledge. It's to know God through personal experience. It's not just read about God and understand God. It's to be able to pass God in the street, stop and talk to Him. Tell me, as you walk in the street, does God sit within you? Does He sit within you? Does He talk to you? Every morning, do you learn about God or do you yada God? Do you experience God? Do you talk? Does he talk back? Matthew 7 tells us that when people come to him, even people who claim to be Christians, they'll list all these wonderful things that they've done. You know, they've prophesied, they've cast out spirits, they've perhaps done wonderful teaching. Eugene Peterson, his translation said, our God-sponsored projects, interesting phrase, our God-sponsored project had everybody talking. But what does God say? Depart from me because I never knew you. What does it mean to know God? It means intimate relationship. We've been hearing about reconciliation. Well, reconciliation is useless without relationship, folks. We need to understand God at a relational level. The word yada appears apparently 946 times in Scripture. It's the same word know that Adam knew his wife. It's the same word to know about hunting. It's the same word to know about different aspects of our lives. 
What does that tell us? It tells us that yada, to know God, God wants to know us in every single area of our lives. A tree cannot grow fruit on one branch and all the rest be dead. All branches must grow fruit. There are a few pastors listening to this, but there are lots of teachers, there are lots of nurses. Grow fruit, grow joy in every plate of your lives. That passage also tells us one of the ways to remain, and this is a little less fashionable, is to obey his commands. And we don't like to hear that. We like in this postmodern world to find out what we like to do. Well, no, it tells us in John 15, if you want to have fruit, if you want to have joy, you've actually got to obey his commands. That's how we grow in joy. One of the things that God's been telling me about in these past years is a very simple truth. And forgive me if I'm a slow learner, but what God's been telling me is sin doesn't work. Often we try to grow joy or start joy in our own way. That's where sin comes from. That's where sin came from in the fall. When we shortcutted God's way to eat of the fruit, to have the fall. And in our lives, when we're tempted to sell people vaccines to make a quick bug or, 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 quick buck, or we're tempted to do things that are wrong, we do that because we want to try and grow our own joy. And it doesn't work like that. Joy comes through obedience. When we accept Christ, when we obey Christ, when we abide in Christ, we experience joy. Very finally and very quickly, in our third point, I want to talk to you about what we do with joy. But before you do, let me just be prompted to ask you this. If you know Jesus this morning, do you have time with him? Are you outsourcing your spiritual growth through me? I can't grow through you. I can't, sorry, I can't grow for you. As you listen to this sermon, are you going to go off and take it? Are you going to sit with God and marinate in it? Never allow someone to do the growing for you. Use a sermon in your growth, but grow with Jesus. Third point, what do we do with joy? Well, I was thinking in the last few months that the Lord's really been speaking to me about joy before I was asked to even speak. And one of the phrases that I felt the Lord told me was, Greg, leak joy, don't leak fear. Over this past year, we've had a lot to be fearful over. But I feel the Lord has told me to leak joy and not to leak fear. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul describes believers as treasure hidden within clay jars. The inference is, is that clay jars are imperfect. And so clay jars, I'd imagine, would leak from time to time. We are always leaking in what we do. Tomorrow, as you speak to people and work, the way you talk to them, the way you speak to them, the way you think of them leaks who you are. You will leak it whether you, whether you realize it or not. I work with leaders, and I see it all the time. We leak what we have within us. We hear in Scripture that a bad well cannot produce good water, that a bad tree does not produce good fruit. And so what we do with joy is when we have it within us, we begin to leak it. We allow it to saturate every part of our lives, and we use it. But, you know, we don't just leak it. We're called to do something else with it. Let me just as I finish, take you back to Galatians 5 and John 15. Why do we call these things the fruits of the Spirit? Why not the bread of the Spirit? Why not the vegetables of the Spirit? 
If you were here today, I might ask you, well, what's the difference between a fruit and a vegetable? I think I've asked this church this before. The answer is this. A fruit is a seed-bearing structure. That's the difference. A fruit is a seed-bearing structure. A fruit is designed to be enjoyed, yes, but ultimately a seed must sow. That is what we must do with joy. We must sow. We must sow. We must sow. If you're feeling joy, if you have joy, and you are not sowing joy, leaking is good, but you've got to be more intentional like that. God is more intentional than that. We have got to sow into our families, our friends, and our lives, and that's where joy comes from. It's telling people about Jesus. It's telling people about Jesus. We hear in John 15 that we will experience opposition. We are told that a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you too. If, but if they obey my teaching, they'll obey yours too. So there's hope. But greater hope is found even in verse 26. When the advocate comes, I will send to you from the Father the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me and you must also testify because you've been with me from the beginning. We learn that we have the Holy Spirit with us to empower us to go forward. And one of the fruits of that spirit is joy. Can I tell you something? I do lots of things at the moment in my life. I work in lots of areas and I've done lots of things. I don't think I've done anything that brings me more joy than to see someone come to know Jesus. Gav Calver is one of the heads of, I think it's Evangelical Alliance. He talks about how people cleverly talk about how God doesn't exist and all of all these theories. And one of the things that Gav Calver said in a session I was in was, one of the things that drives people that got absolutely stark raving bonkers, what drives them crazy, what defeats every single argument, is a story of someone's life turned around. It's a story of a murderer coming out of prison to serve. It's a story of a father estranged from his kids completely renewing the family and renewing a relationship. God making all things new. It's a story of people's lives changed. It's a story of joy. You can't argue against joy. You just get to feel it. There's no greater joy for a believer than fulfilling his purpose by honoring the Father and telling people about Jesus. As I finish this morning, my prayer for you that would be that you don't just look for joy in things like chocolate, but you would experience joy afresh, maybe like your first love, or in you like never before, and you would come to Jesus. My prayer is that you would not just have joy like a label, but you would grow joy intentionally yourself, because you can, and with the Spirit, you will. And my prayer is that you would spread joy to each and every part of this nation. Amen.